Crossing family, how are you guys doing today? You're doing well? Man, I hope so. I don't know if you're here today because you want to close out a year or you're ready to start a new one, but I want to welcome you to those of you here at 48th Street, Macomb, Kirksville, 929, Pike County, Hannibal, Lima, Mount Sterling, Keokuk, Monmouth, Jacksonville, online and inside. I am so glad that we have the opportunity to spend some time together today. I, um, I have a quick favor to ask, okay? Can I get you at all of our locations just to stand up for just uh, like 30 seconds? Could you all stand up for just a second? I know, I just got you comfy, trust me, just, 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 I don't ask for favors often. Um, I know there's some of you gathering around all of our locations that you're here for the very first time. Uh, you lost a bet, uh, it was, you know, because you forgot to get someone a Christmas present, so they said you had to come to church, I get you're here. And I just need you to know you are surrounded right now by some of the best people on planet Earth. These are the change attire on a rainy day, bring you something to your house kind of people. And uh, let, me, let me prove it to you, okay? Um, there are many of you across all of our locations that if you were to put the last two years of your life into one word, the word you would probably use is loss. You lost uh, a parent, you lost a grandparent, you lost a child, you lost a friend, you lost a neighbor, you lost somebody that you worked with for 20 years at work, you lost somebody. I know, here's the big risk. If you would say that in the last two years, if you fall into that category, would you just put your hand up? Mm. Now, Crossing Family, if you see a hand up, would you go and put your hand on them? And we're going to pray for those people across all of our locations. There better not be a hand waiting up with nobody next to it. We'll take some time at all of our locations. I can't imagine carrying profound loss. You're in it. You're in it. I want to give you three Bible verses. Make sure if someone's a hand up, make sure there's someone praying with them. First of all, I want you to hear this before we pray. Psalm 38, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And this is, this one, take this one to the bank. 2 Corinthians 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You are worshiping a God who comforts you, who binds you, and heals you. Would you pray with me? God, that is exactly what we're asking you to do right now. Only you can see the full weight of the profound hurt and pain and loss that is being experienced across this entire region. And God, there are people in here that the wounds are old and there's some that the wounds are fresh. There's some that are still navigating unbelievably dark times and they're worried if they're ever gonna see themselves on the other side of it. And so God, I'm praying that you would use this church to love them, to care for them, to be your hands and your feet and your heart in their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Would you have a seat? Uh, we're going we're gonna to actually do this for the next five weeks. 
We're gonna spend a little bit of time just praying for our people at the beginning of every message so you know, get used to a little bit of calisthenics on the front end. But I, I think it's incredibly important because there is profound weight that gets carried into our church every single week. And I wanna make sure that we take a little bit of time when we can to try to address it and give God an opportunity to minister to it. And I need you to know if you raise your hand uh, hopefully the people around you, they, they would love to love you well if you would give them a chance. I titled this sermon, There Has to Be a Place. Um, I put this line, uh, I first put this line in a message I preached a couple months ago on when we were going through the sermon series, An Intimate Personal Relationship with Jesus, and I was talking about the new covenant. And I've circled back and watched that sermon uh, a couple of times because every time I watch it, like it has an emotional impact, like it, it moves me. And you know, it's kind of weird to be moved by your own sermon, but uh, God used that moment in that message, you know, it, that message might not have been for any of you, that message that uh, might have been for me, but it seared something in my heart that there has to be a place where people can find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing that happened is, is I was uh, doing some study on the life of Jesus. I kind of knew this from Bible college, but I just didn't realize how uh, profound this was. As when you um, look at the life of Jesus, and if you were to trace his footsteps, if you could have put a GPS tracker on his Birkenstocks, you would have been amazed at how much time he spent um, by the Sea of Galilee. If you were on planet Earth, you stood the highest possible chance of meeting Jesus near the Sea of Galilee. While there are great ministry moments that occurred in other areas and in Jerusalem, most of his ministry occurred near the waters of and in the towns and villages built on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Galilee was his Quincy, his Macomb, his Kirksville, his Hannibal. Jerusalem was his uh, Lake of the Ozarks. He would go there and something big and memorable would happen, but most of the time he was at the Sea of Galilee, an incredible ministry happened on these banks. And over the next uh, couple of weeks as I was doing that study, it became clear that this needed to be the uh, first sermon series I preached as your lead pastor. And this sermon series is six weeks long. I'm gonna preach the first five, okay? Jerry's gonna preach the sixth one, okay? In fact, Jerry, just so you guys, you know, for those of you who are nervous, Jerry's gonna be preaching 22 times this year. I'm bringing in a guest speaker four times and I'm gonna preach the remaining 28. I'm asking that from now until Super Bowl that you guys would go on this journey with us. And I believe that not only the trajectory that, that will happen in your life individually, but what could happen in our church collectively if we were to go on a journey to be a place for everyone that God could do a marvelous work in our midst. Um, I wanted to spend the, these first five weeks really zeroing in on who we are, where we are as a church, where we're going, and how we're gonna get there. Um, so a couple months ago, I, had, I met with our elders, and uh, I also had an opportunity a couple weeks ago to meet with our campus pastors, and I, in this meeting, I, I showed them this graphic. And this is a spiritual spectrum. Now this isn't like scientific, okay, so don't be like, where did you get that, Clayton, okay? Um, but at minus five to uh, plus five. So minus five would be a person who's a complete atheist, who 
uh, doesn't believe in God. Uh, maybe if they believe in God, they hate God. And um, a plus five, you know, would be your grandma, right? They love Jesus a whole bunch. They faithfully served him. They, she's got crosses on all of her walls. She has little prayers. She has her Bible in six different places, okay? Totally sold out follower of Jesus Christ, okay? And then everybody kind of falls somewhere in between people who hate God and your grandma. And then right here is uh, where a person starts an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. This is where people get baptized. Do you guys kind of understand that? And so I asked our campus pastors and I asked our elders, um, where do you think we as a church do our best work? Like where do we win as a church? On this spiritual spectrum, where do we win? And almost universally, it was from minus two to plus two, okay? Which, you know, everybody was like, oh, probably like minus five to plus five. No, uh, if we really zero it in, where are we? Well, and I don't think they're wrong. I think our elders and our campus pastors were right. We're really good right here. And part of that is because here at The Crossing, our mission is to help people find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That zero is where we focus, helping people find and start that relationship with Jesus. In fact, you should hear that every single week at all of our different locations, that people can find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I know, hear me, I know for some of you that could get a little old. When we say we're moving to a time of decision and we walk down the steps and we start talking about an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, you're going, I have heard it for the 100th time or the 1,000th time. I, I know, I know, I know. I know that you hear it every week. But I need you to know every single week there's somebody at our church who's hearing it for the first time. For the very first time, in the last two years, 5,412 people have walked through our different doors for the very first time. And they heard it. On Christmas Eve, a 20-year-old young man, his birthday was right along that. And you know what he asked for for his birthday? For his family to come to church with him. There has to be a place that backs his play that is ready to tell them the good news. You may have heard it for the thousandth time, but you'll be glad we're saying it when it's your kid that you bring to church, when it's your parent, when it's your spouse, when it's your friend. You'll be so glad. You'll be waiting on the edge of your seat for us to share that good news, that message of hope. So hear me. If you're getting tired of hearing it, it might be because you haven't brought anybody in a while. Okay. Uh, we survived a tough one there. All right. So here's what you need to know. We are going to keep saying it proudly and boldly because we believe that Jesus is for everyone and everyone deserves a chance to meet him. And God has blessed our commitment to helping people find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. That zero moment that I was showing you on that spiritual spectrum, in the last two years, 1,050 people have, have been baptized here at one of our different locations. It's because we're telling people about it every single week. And our mission fuels us. And we've made other big commitments to God and to one another to make sure that we keep reaching people. You've heard about these commitments. One of them is outward. We will do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from Jesus. I need you to hear me say this. We unapologetically prioritize trying to reach people over trying to keep people. 
while we feel a spiritual burden to grow people in Christ, we believe that there must be a place dedicated to helping people far from God draw near. Why is this important? Well, it's because it's important to me. Because it was at this church that a girl who was far from God found Jesus. She became my wife. She eventually helped her father who didn't go to church and didn't speak to her for 13 years. He started coming to this church and he found Jesus. And a girl named Lisa, who we invited to live in our house, was far from God when she started coming. She found Jesus here. I'll tell you more of her story next week. There has to be a place. You know people that were once far from God and you're going, there has to be a place that's willing to reach out to people who are far from God and bring him close. Another one of our commitments is downward. We will gladly give up the things we love for a future generation we love even more. Right now, we are revamping our entire zero to 18 ministry. We've been working on it for six months. We're gonna debut it the weekend uh, after Super Bowl. We're gonna have an entire series about it. We, now more than ever, we need to make sure that kids are getting an opportunity to find a relationship with Jesus Christ before they make some of the same mistakes that we've made. Can I get an amen at that? Okay, those of you who've made mistakes. So um, why is this important? Well, I'll tell you, it's important to me because my sons are eight and 10. They're in that ministry. And while they have two good godly parents most of the time, I want as many reinforcements as I can possibly get around them. The other reason why this is important to me is my successor is in one of our crossing locations in kids ministry right now. And some of you are going, boy, can't get here fast enough, can it? But (laughs) you gotta wait some time. But we wanna start raising that kid up as soon as we possibly can. Here's another one, relevant. We will do fresh things and fresh ways to reach people no one else is reaching. There'll be times when we change things up. There'll be times when we start new programs and there'll be times when we shut others down. And hear me, we will do this for the express purpose of keeping our church doors from becoming a time machine where it's 2022 outside in the parking lot and it's 1995 inside the auditorium. We have to make sure that that doesn't happen. I remember Andre, my brother-in-law, um, you know, he, uh, he met my wife and he lived in Jamaica, was a missionary, and so they got married and she had to bring him here to the States. And Andre is worshiping in the Macomb campus for the very first time to songs he had never heard before. He was singing, you know, our songs. And he was like full tilt, like at a level 10 worship. Like he was going all in. And after the service, I asked him, how were you able to worship because you didn't know any of the songs? And Andre, you know, shame on him, uh, looked at me and said, Clayton, I'm a mature Christian. I can worship Jesus anywhere, anyhow. I don't need to know the words to the song to be able to worship Jesus. Like, all right, you can shut up. Okay. (laughs) I don't need that. Can I, hear me. Those of you who are mature followers in Jesus, man, you can play whatever song you want in your radio. You can clip it on on Spotify when you're getting ready in the morning. You can get your worship exactly the way you like it all week long. But for an hour a week, could you have a, some freedom and some flexibility to give people who are far from God an opportunity to connect with them? Maybe the more mature we become in Christ, the less preferences we have on how we worship Christ. Here's another one, innovate. We will take big, faith-filled risks and never insult God with small thinking and safe living. 
As a church, we have taken some big faith-filled risks. We've had major wins, but we've also had brutal losses. I remember when we closed Paducah, I drove down to be a part of that last Sunday. And it was excruciating. The pain and the hurt from closing that campus still remains in different forms to this day. And I remember driving back and feeling this strong compulsion in my heart, and so I figured I might as well tell you that I wouldn't have it any other way. I would rather launch a campus and try and reach people and later have to shut it down than be a church that never tries, to be a church that never takes risks and a church that maintains a perfect track record. I think, I think God and his gospel and his message deserves more from us. Not all seed that is sown takes root, but God has called us, called you and me, to plant the seed and to water it, but who's the one who supplies the growth? God. So let's go and let's find opportunities for us to partner with him, and sometimes we'll win and sometimes we may lose, but at least if we lose, we lose trying to make a difference instead of trying to preserve the status quo. Here's another one, another one of our commitments. We'll make leaders. We will develop leaders who honor God and inspire people and they will change the world. I have so much to say about this. I've been having this feeling, this strong desire in my heart for a while now, not to double or triple or quadruple, but exponentially expand this part of our church. And there's gonna be way more on this in the future. But for the time being, we, there needs to be a place that gives people an opportunity to play and learn and grow and develop. You have done this for me. And I wanna make sure I make a place for other people to be able to do the same. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to a couple that are actually here today, and they go, when you first started preaching, you just wore us out. You talk so fast. And Jerry used to always be like, Clayton, slow down, slow down, slow down. But he didn't pull me off stage. He kept giving me an opportunity. He kept giving me more reps to become a communicator. I got a, a message from I don't, a sweet person in our church, and they sent me a card, and, and they just were thanking me. And one of the lines was, I really don't appreciate your sense of humor. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you and my wife can start a support, support group. And uh, she goes, but I, but I appreciate your heart. And uh, listen, I'm gonna be, a, I'm, I'm trying to get skinny, but I'm probably gonna be a fat, funny guy for the, as long as you're here. And um, I can't, it's how God made me. I, I have a, an edge to me. I'm gonna say stuff, and you're gonna go, that was really funny. And I'm gonna say some stuff, and you're gonna be like, that, you shouldn't have said that. And you can send me the email, and I'll probably agree with you. Okay, but we need to give people an opportunity to grow because we don't know what they will become. Here's another one. We grow. We will, never, we will never stop measuring, changing, and moving for growth because nothing matters more to God than people. We want to have a laser focus on leveraging everything in our power to join God in his saving work. There has to be a place dedicated to reaching, growing, baptizing, and discipling people that Jesus died for. Or how about this one? This is another one of our commitments. We're one. The church is the hope of the world, and we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. We are the church. Our locations is where we gather, 
but you and you and you and me, we are the church. And when we take what God has given you and what God has given you and what God has given me and we put it together and then we place it collectively in God's hands, there's no telling what he could do with us. It is our commitment to this mission and these core values, our faith in God, our trust in his scriptures, the enabling of his Holy Spirit, and your desire to follow God and reach people that has caused the crossing to experience tremendous success. Uh, recently, the Crossing Church, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. We were just listed as one of the 100 largest churches in the country. We were also listed, yeah. We were also listed as one of the fastest growing churches in the country, and we were a handful of churches that were actually on both lists. Yeah, it's amazing. As I stated earlier, we've had over 1,000 baptisms and 5,400 people visit our church for the very first time. We have 11 locations in 10 cities that are serving 22 counties. In fact, if you wanna know what our church looks like, this is what our church looks like. This is us. Uh, when Jeff Bezos goes up in space, he can see our church. It's huge. Our church spans over 10,000 square miles. When you drive into it, it takes hours before you can drive out of it. Uh, let me put it in perspective. This is Puerto Rico. This is Connecticut, Delaware, Rhode Island combined. This is New Hampshire. This is Maryland. And here's the crossing. We're bigger than six states. Yeah, like, you know, Jerry's like technically the governor, the spiritual governor of this, of this region, okay? Each week, we have over 5,000 people attend physically at one of our locations. This does not include our five inside locations or the two to 4,000 people, hear this, two to 4,000 people that join us every week online. All of this occurred while we were in the throes of COVID-19. Speaking of pandemics, did you know that historically, churches have always grown on the backside of a pandemic? Uh, check this one out. It was the Roman Empire that went from crucifying Jesus to 300 years later claiming Christianity as its national religion. How could that happen? Well, historians would say there were two plagues that occurred during that time. One occurred in 165 in which there was a 25% mortality rate. The other one happened in 249 AD. And it was how Christians led and loved during these devastating pandemics that changed everything. Here in America, the Spanish flu of 1918 devastated America. 50 million people died worldwide of the Spanish flu. And on the heels of it, the church exploded in growth as revival took place. Tyler McKenzie, who spoke at Men's Conference this year, he said this, we would never pray for this pandemic but we were made for it. I don't know how long COVID and all of its variants are gonna be around. I don't know what kind of political challenges lie ahead. I don't know what kind of racial tensions will have to be navigated. And I know that when you're tucking yourself in at night and while you're getting ready to go to sleep, I know you would never pray for any of the problems that America or this world is facing. But I need you to know that we have been equipped with the Holy Spirit, which means we were made for moments just like this. It's in our spiritual DNA. The church has overcome and ministered and thrived in the most devastating of circumstances. There has to be a place that's ready for that. 
for the last uh, year or so, uh, you may have heard me talking and maybe you kind of felt like I was putting my finger in your chest and poking you a little bit. Uh, it's because I was. You might have been going, uh, I mean, listen, this past year I've popped off about masks. I've popped off at the mouth about uh, no masks. I've popped off about vaccines, no vaccines. I've popped off at the mouth about build a wall, tear one down. I've popped off about Republicans. I've popped off about Democrats. I've done my best part to kind of make everybody a little mad. And you might be going, Clayton, you know, what's the burr under your blanket? Well, I'll tell you. I have uh, people in my family who are vaccinated and people in my family who aren't. I have people in my family that vote for Republicans and I have people in my family that vote for Democrats. I keep saying that there has to be a place for everyone because I want to make sure that there's a place for me and my family and for you and yours. I've always been so profoundly proud of this church. I was uh, worried a little bit about how this church, how you guys would handle uh, a young pastor marrying a single mom with a biracial kid. Now, you had never done anything to make me think that you wouldn't be good with that, but I had grown up in churches where I was pretty sure that I would have been uh, pushed out. And I'm so unbelievably thankful that you guys leaned in. And I'm asking for your help to make this church a place for everyone but it is going to take every single one of us to make that happen. In order to do that, I want to give you a couple of verses. And there's this intimate moment that we get to peek into Jesus' heart. It says this in Luke chapter 19. But as he, this is Jesus, came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to, everybody say this word. Jesus looks out and he sees a large group of people and he knows that they will not trust in him, and he knows that they will not believe in him. He sees people that are sheep without a shepherd. He sees the least and the lost and the broken, and his heart breaks. If you want an Old Testament story, uh, God calls a prophet named Jonah, and he tells him to go to a town called Nineveh. And Jonah does everything in his power not to go to Nineveh and preach a gospel of repentance. And so he fights every way he can. Eventually, you've heard the story, he gets swallowed by a fish and God spits him out on dry ground at Nineveh. And, and Jonah goes into town and he preaches and check this out, guess what happens at the end of his sermons? The entire town repents of their sins and start calling on God. And Jonah is angry about it because he knows that God is full of grace and compassion and truth, that he's slow to anger and abounding in love. And so Jonah goes out of the city, builds himself a little shack in the desert, and he lays down in it, and it gets really hot. And so God causes a plant to come up and provide him some shade, and then God kills the plant <laughs> and makes Jonah hot all over again. And Jonah's angry. And I want you to see what God has to say to Jonah. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. Do you hear God's heart? God has a heart for cities because cities are comprised of people. And you might be going, Clayton, uh, this would be a great sermon in a different place. Because none of our cities have uh, 120,000 people in them. Yeah, you're right, but I told you at the very beginning that we are a church that services 22 counties, and if you add up those counties, there are 418,000 people in our communities, and what would it look like for this church to make sure that there was a place for 2% of them, or 4%, or 5%, or 10%? I'm asking you, can you, can you try, with God's help, to start seeing our communities through his eyes? I'm asking you to join with me and try and start seeing and hurting for our communities with his heart. There's some of you across all of our locations that right now, if you were to take a truth test, uh, you would say, Clayton, I need time to heal. And if that's you, I want you to know that this is going to be a place where you can heal. And there's some of you right now, and you're going, "Uh, Clayton, I need time to mourn. And I want you to know that this church is prepared to mourn with you. And there's some of you who are going, Clayton, I need time to recoup. And I want you to hear me say, this is going to be a place where you can recuperate. But if there's a couple of you out there that have a little left in the tank. If there's some of you out there, you're a car guy, it's time for us to find another gear. If you're a golfer, it's time for you to get out a bigger club. If you're a painter, it's time for you to get out a bigger brush. If you're an accountant, it's time for you to sharpen a new pencil. If you're a knitter, it's time for you to get another hook. I threw that in there because my mom's a knitter, okay? If you're a brewer, it's time for you to start another batch. I'm saying if the world around us is going to need a church, a place to find Jesus and grow in Jesus, If there's a chance that on the heels of COVID that people are going to need a place of hope and healing, then I've been asking myself this question. Why not here? Why not with us? And why not now? Together, my prayer is that we can make this place the hardest place to get to hell from on planet Earth. that many years from now, our children and our grandchildren will say, I was lucky enough to be born in a county that had a church called The Crossing. And they made a place for my mom and my dad, and they made a place for my uncle and my aunt, and they made a place for my grandma and my grandpa. They made a place for my Republicans and my Democrats. They made a place for my maskers and my no-maskers, my vacciners and my no-vacciners. They made a place for my sisters and my brothers, They made a place for me. And my life is forever different. And my eternity is forever changed. Because there has to be a place. There has to be a place for everyone. But it's going to take everyone to do it. And I say that place is here. And I say that place is with us. And I say that place needs to start happening now. Crossing Church. Will you join me in that? We're moving to a time of decision. So to those of you in this room, 
And those of you watching online, if you have never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this church is crazy about that. That's what, that's what eats us up. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we raise our hand in worship. That's why we clap in the video. It's because we know what it's like to be lost. And we know what it's like to be found. And if you're going, Clayton, that, uh, that's me. I'm lost. We want to help you find Jesus. Listen, it's not us that you need to find. It's him. But we can talk to you about him. We can show you the way. We can answer your questions. There's some of you, you've been on the fence for a long time. You've never started it. I get it. I'm going to talk about those people next week. I hope you come. But I get it. You've been watching other people start that relationship, but it's never been you. And if you have questions about what that looks like or how to start that, we would love to have an opportunity to talk with you today. In just a few moments, all the weird people around you are going to stand and sing, and some of them are going to come up to the steps. But if you want, you can either talk to somebody in your row or you can come and talk to somebody who's going to be over there by the baptistry, and we'd love a chance to talk with you about what that looks what that looks like, and what it could mean for you. To the rest of you in the room, the Christians, I'm asking for your help. And would you start off this new year, would you start off this sermon series with me, on your knees, asking God to make this a place. And when I say this a place, I'm not saying this building, I'm saying with you. I'm gonna have to say this in a couple weeks, I'm gonna have to tell our whole church, I'm not your pastor. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I, I'm not going to be at all of your kids' baseball games. I'm not going to marry all of your kids. I'm not going to bury all of your parents. I, I'm just one of your pastors, and there are infinitely better pastors on our staff than me. But the truth of the matter is, is what I'm hoping is that sooner rather than later, you will start to see yourself as the pastor, the pastor of your home, the pastor of your workplace, the pastor of your neighborhood, the pastor of your street, the pastor of your school, the pastor of your friends, that you would be their pastor, that you would love them and lead them and guide them and direct them, that the place that I'm referring to is not the building of the crossing, it's the heart of the people of the crossing. And would you get down on your knees and say, God, I need you to make room in my heart for the people in my life, that God, in view of your mercy, in view of everything that you've done for me, this is not a time for me to shrink back into small living and safe living, but it is a time for me to give my very best to you because that's exactly what you gave to me. Man, I, I wonder, I wonder what happens when a church 10,000 square miles big gets on their knees and prays for God to open their heart for the people in their lives. I wonder what he'll do but we'll never know unless you do it too. Would you stand with me? Sear this moment in our hearts, God. Embedded in our memories. How much you loved us, how much you pursued us, how much you sacrificed for us. And God, help us have a God-honoring response to that. 
use the people in the sound of my voice, whether in this room or to the thousands watching online, to start something, to finish something, to continue the work that you've started in us. God, as we get down on our knees, meet us in this moment and take all the ground you want to take. In your name I pray, amen.